Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, uncolored by interests of big pharma, the generally misplaced motivations of healthcare and doctors, just ideas and strategies that work safely, effectively, and inexpensively. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored Books, and now my newest book, Super Gut, a book that gives you a blueprint on rebuilding a healthy microbiome to take back control over weight, health, and aging. In this episode of Defiant Health, let's talk about the seven hidden dangers of sugar. It's likely that you already know that sugar is bad for health, but you probably didn't know about these other dangers that result from consuming sugar that even most doctors don't talk about. But I want you to know about them to understand just how important it is that you completely avoid any form of added sugar in your diet. Later in the show, I'll also be talking about Defiant Health Podcast's sponsor, Paleo Valley, makers of terrific fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, and other products. Let's talk about the seven hidden dangers of sugar. Now, you already know that sugar rots your teeth, gives you cavities. You likely know that eating sugar also raises blood sugar. And when you raise blood sugar repeatedly, it leads to insulin resistance. That's a very important process because when your body is resistant to insulin, that is your liver, brain, muscles don't respond to insulin, your pancreas compensates by producing huge amounts of insulin. So the level of blood insulin in somebody who's sensitive to insulin would be something like two, three, or four microunits. A person who is insulin resistant can have levels of 30, 60, 90 microunits, many times higher. And that is the process that leads to weight gain, it blocks weight loss, and leads long term to health conditions like high blood pressure, heart disease, cancers, and dementia. So it's very important to not have insulin resistance. Now, the average American takes in about 22 teaspoons or more of sugar per day from sugar in foods, added to foods, soft drinks, fruit juices, and junk food. You know, one can of cola contains 33 grams of sugar, which is more than 8 teaspoons. Even a glass of orange juice, 8 ounces of orange juice that many people regard as healthy, contains 21 grams of sugar, that is more than 5 teaspoons of sugar. And the sugar industry has done a very good job of trying to conceal foods that contain sugar by giving them so many different names. You'll see sugar designated as high fructose corn syrup, of course, corn sugar, brown sugar, cane juice, barley malt, agave nectar, dextrose, coconut sugar, caramel, and many others. I've counted over 60 different aliases for sugar in processed foods. You think just knowing about those adverse effects, rotting your teeth, raising blood sugar, causing insulin resistance, alone would be enough to make most people stop consuming sugar and have agencies like the USDA, American Heart Association, say, enough is enough, no more sugar, don't add any sugar. But that's not what they say, of course. And so let's talk about the seven hidden dangers of sugar that go beyond just rotting your teeth and causing those health conditions. Number one, visceral fat. Visceral fat is the deep abdominal fat that surrounds your organs, surrounds your intestines, your spleen, your liver, your pancreas, as well as the heart, by the way. And this fat is very inflammatory. While you can't see visceral fat, having a spare tire or love handles 
tells you that you do indeed have visceral fat deep inside. So having visceral fat is caused by this process of insulin resistance and accumulating visceral fat makes insulin resistance worse. So it's a vicious cycle. You eat sugar, you get visceral fat. Visceral fat makes insulin resistance. Insulin resistance makes your blood sugar go higher. You get more visceral fat accumulation round and around and around, and it feeds on itself. So you do not want to have visceral fat, and sugar is a major contributor to accumulating visceral fat. Number two, having that visceral fat is very inflammatory. If you were to biopsy visceral fat, you would see it's filled with white blood cells, kind of like pus. Those are inflammatory cells. Those inflammatory cells emit or release inflammatory mediators into the bloodstream and thereby export inflammation to all other parts of the body, including the liver, heart, and brain. And that has major implications for your health long term. So sugar consumption is a major contributor to inflammation, body-wide inflammation. Number three, when the liver encounters sugar, it converts it to triglycerides. Triglycerides are fats. Fats are triglycerides. If you had a bottle full of olive oil, that's a bottle of triglycerides. If you have butter, that's a stick of triglycerides. So fats are triglycerides. And the liver takes sugars and converts them to fats or triglycerides. That process is called de novo lipogenesis. And all that means is the liver is making fats, making uh, lipids, lipogenesis. Now, when the liver converts sugars to triglycerides, some of it gets out to the bloodstream. So people who consume sugar have high levels of triglycerides. And by the way, I would define a high level of triglycerides as anything above 60 milligrams per deciliter or higher. Not the generally accepted 150 milligrams per deciliter, because that is a level where we know there are major metabolic distortions that lead to coronary disease, heart disease. So we aim for 60 milligrams per deciliter or less. Now, when you eat sugar, it sends your triglycerides sky high and thereby contributes to heart disease. Now, when the liver makes triglycerides out of sugar, some of it gets out in the bloodstream as triglycerides, some stays put in the liver and over time accumulates. That is the process of fatty liver. So eating sugar raises triglycerides and thereby leads to heart, increased heart disease risk and causes accumulation of triglycerides in the liver, fatty liver. Number four, when those triglycerides made by the liver via de novo lipogenesis get out into the bloodstream, they actually occur as what are called very low density lipoproteins or VLDL. VLDL particles are very important because they can enter the arterial wall, such as in your heart's arteries, and cause coronary atherosclerosis. So sugar, by way of triglycerides and VLDL particles, adds to heart disease risk. That leads to problem number five, and that is the creation of small LDL particles. Don't confuse this with the silly LDL cholesterol your doctor tries to treat with his statin drugs. This is LDL particles. And when you consume sugar and thereby cause triglycerides, right, in the liver that occurs in the bloodstream as VLDL particles, those VLDL particles interact with LDL particles, and there's a process that makes them small. So increased VLDL means increased small LDL particles. Small LDL particles are bad news because that's the stuff that really causes coronary disease, not LDL cholesterol. LDL cholesterol is just a marker 
for lipoproteins, fat-carrying proteins. When you measure small LDL particles, you're actually measuring the particles that contribute to coronary atherosclerosis along with VLDL particles. Small LDL particles stay around the bloodstream far longer than benign large LDL particles. They stick around for five to seven days compared, compared to the one day of large LDL particles. Small LDL particles are also more adherent to the arterial wall. They're more likely because they're small to enter the arterial wall and trigger inflammation and oxidation. And this process is initiated by consumption of sugar. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other terrific products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And if like most people, you don't have the time to make batches of bone broths or soups every week or every day, Paleo Valley has an excellent grass-fed bone broth protein powder that packs 15 grams of collagen per scoop for skin and joint health while providing the health benefits of bone broth. Shipping is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the discount code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with 8 grams net carbs per bar. Problem number six, whenever blood glucose ranges above normal, that is above 100 milligrams per deciliter or even above 90, you glycate the proteins of the body. That is, you glucose modify the proteins of the body. And this is an irreversible process. So if you glycate, for instance, the proteins in the lenses of your eyes, you create opacities that over time leads to cataracts. If you glycate the cartilage cells and proteins in your knees and hips. You get brittle cartilage and over time uh, arthritis, eventually bone-on-bone arthritis. So sugar contributes to the development of arthritis. If you glycate the proteins in your kidneys, you get kidney dysfunction. Eventually, you can get kidney failure or at least severe dysfunction. Uh, Now, one process of glycation that is not permanent is the glycation of small LDL particles because they only last about five to seven days, right? But when you glycate small LDL particles, you make them much more prone to oxidation, much more likely to lead to coronary disease. So consumption of sugar causes high blood glucose, which in turn causes glycation of the proteins of the body, which in general are irreversible. Number seven, consumption of sugar 
changes the composition of your bowel flora. This is very, very important because the composition of bowel flora in your GI tract essentially determines weight, how you feel, your emotions, your sociability, whether you develop dementia, cancer, heart disease, it has far-reaching implications. So consuming sugar changes the composition of bowel flora in a number of ways. It decreases the diversity of microbes, which is very important. You, you and I want great diversity in species in our GI tracts. Well, sugar reduces that diversity. Sugar increases the proliferation of unhealthy species, especially stool species like E. coli and Shigella, that when they proliferate, they can do all kinds of damage to the entire body because they release toxins into the bloodstream. Sugar consumption increases intestinal permeability, allowing those unhealthy stool microbes to export their effects to other parts of the body. You might label it as psoriasis or rosacea in the skin, or you might call it depression or Alzheimer's dementia or Parkinson's disease in the brain, or you might call it the joint pain and swelling of rheumatoid arthritis. But when you consume sugar, you tilt the scales in favor of unhealthy microbes and you increase intestinal permeability. When you consume sugar, it increases the likelihood that you develop irritable bowel syndrome, IBS. You know, all it takes is about three days in a row of excessive sugars, like you might do on, say, an all-expense-paid vacation. You're having too many margaritas. That alone is enough to develop IBS. Sugar consumption leads to SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, which I think is epidemic in the U.S. population. And by my estimation, conservative estimation, one in three Americans or over 100 million people in this country have SIBO. That is 30 feet, the entire length of the GI tract, inhabited by unhealthy species like those ones I mentioned before, E. coli, Klebsiella, Shigella, which live and die in rapid succession. They only live for a few hours, right? They don't live for years, only for a few hours. And so trillions of microbes turning over rapidly die and then release some of their breakdown products into your bloodstream. That's the process called endotoxemia. So SIBO is not just about bowel floor in the GI tract. It's also about body-wide inflammation expressed as numerous forms of diseases. And sugar can get that process started and keeps it going. Sugar consumption also encourages proliferation of fungal species like Candida albicans, Candida glabrata, Candida tropicalis, and Maldicesia. That's why many people have fungal overgrowth. Some people have fungal overgrowth alone, but my opinion is that if you have fungal overgrowth, you also have SIBO. But fungal overgrowth is encouraged by consumption of sugar. And you know, despite what the sugar industry will tell you, there is no benefit to consuming sugar. It does no good for any organ or any aspect of health. Now, that's not what the sugar industry, of course, has been telling you. They've spent decades trying to demonize fat and saturated fat. This started in the 1950s when they reasoned that if they could persuade the nation to cut dietary fat, it would increase sugar consumption. So they helped convince Agencies like the American Heart Association, USDA, to advocate for cutting fat, total fat, cutting saturated fat, and then not demonizing sugars. And that is what happened for the last several decades. It is a major contributor to the epidemics of prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, overweight, and obesity. In other words, the sugar industry paid academics to publish papers and reviews demonizing fat 
and claiming that sugar was not the culprit in causing the rise in heart disease and other health conditions. In fact, the tactics employed by the sugar industry mirror the same tactics used by the tobacco industry to conceal, to hide the adverse effects of their product. Now, as bad as sugar is, don't fall into the trap of blaming sugar for everything, as there are other sources of problems in the modern diet, namely wheat and grains. And that's because wheat and grains have a specific carbohydrate called amylopectin A that is actually worse than sugar in its effects on such things as raising blood sugar, causing insulin resistance, glycation, etc. So sugar is bad. The, the problems don't end with sugar. There's also problems with the excess intake of unhealthy oils, such as the omega-6 linoleic acid from such sources as corn oil and vegetable oils. And just as we take in excessive quantities of unhealthy oils, we often, most people fail to take in healthy oils, especially omega-3 fatty acids and monounsaturates, such as the oleic acid of extra virgin olive oil. And there's exposure to unhealthy additives in food, especially emulsifying agents in common foods like salad dressings and ice cream, and synthetic sweeteners such as aspartame, sucralose, and saccharin. So you can imagine the key is to avoid processed foods and choose foods that have been least changed by the food industry. Choose things like eggs or meats. And of course, don't cut off the fat. Try to include some organ meats for their uh, added nutrients. Eat more green vegetables, legumes, avocados. Never restrict healthy fats, of course. Have lots of extra virgin olive oil, butter, avocado oil, fish oil, of course. If you want more information, by the way, on the dangers, the unhealthy effects of sugar in the diet, there's a very excellent resource put out by the University of California, San Francisco, called Sugar Science, and I'll post the link down below in the show notes. So there you go, the seven hidden dangers of sugar. I hope you recognize just how awful sugar consumption is for human health. So my stand on sugar is that you should never add sugar to any food. And of course, we limit net carbs, no more than 15 grams net carbs per any meal. And that further adds to benefits such as reducing insulin resistance and shrinking visceral fat. Now, I've learned something from this podcast. I invite you to subscribe via your favorite uh, podcast subscription service, post a review, and tell your friends. Thanks once again for listening. Oh,